I've gone through all the frustrations that you are and then some. I still go through a lot of this. But the difference is instead of me reaching out and going, what do I do now? I look back on what I've done in the past. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this week's podcast episode, um, similar to many that we have done format-wise, this is coming from a question that I received via email. Um, I'm going to get right into it here. There's The reason I'm answering it this way is because I, th- I thought it was a pretty good question, um, and I think a lot of people will be able to m- get something out of this, hopefully. Um it, there's a couple different directions that I'm going to go. I think what will end up happening is, is similar to most questions that I get. There's no silver bullet answer. There's just not that easy. It's not to here tr- do this and this will fix everything. Um, there's a lot of variables in this one, but let me get into it. It says I'm a. It says Jeremy, I'm a novice dog trainer. My two-year-old Deutsch Longhaar male is the first dog I've trained or handled. I got some help from a couple trainers because I was so overwhelmed and frustrated during his first year. Once my dog turned two, he seemed to forget basic obedience. In an effort to reteach him, I started working through the foundation exercises with my dog. I like your approach. Appreciate your point about it taking as long as it takes. That said, I'd been seeing some progress on my part and his. We appear to have stalled. All I've been doing with him is his foundation stuff. No hold or retrieve work, no tracking, no putting out pigeons for him. I think he's bored as well as distracted. Walking a line and walking a square don't seem to build his attention and focus on me. I don't get direct eye contact or tail up in the air unless I start running. Also, on our walks, he rarely looks at me. He doesn't respond to his name. He goes with me. He doesn't try to get ahead, leg behind, or pull, but he's looking everywhere but me, and his tail is hanging low. He's very distracted as soon as I get out of the door. I'll try to get out early in the morning and see if it's less distracting. Here in South Dakota, the rabbits and deer are out in full force. Wind is blowing, and I'm not super optimistic that getting out early will be a whole lot less distracting. What can I do to build and project leadership energy so that he's excited about what we're doing next and gives me attention and focuses and focus outside. I don't appear to have much natural ability here and I'm going to have to learn to fake it somehow. What can I do to build our bond? I am taking him on off-leash hikes where he actually checks in periodically and recalls fairly well. Should I use treats, toys, games, etc. to build our bond? Should I just get your puppy DVD and start over from scratch? Thanks, Brent. So, I read that and I, I have a lot of questions about it. Um, first off, my one question is, is what's your goal? What, what are you trying to accomplish? Uh, in all that message that he sent me, I don't, I don't have no idea what you're after. I don't know if it sounds like no hold, no retrieve work, no tracking, no putting out pigeons for him. So it's not, I, I don't know. Is your end goal to have a tracking dog, a retriever, a bird dog that'll hold point? Uh, you you mentioned no hold, so good delivery, I'm assuming, is what you're after with that. To me, it's like a mixed bag of stuff, but I don't have any idea exactly what you're after. And quite honestly, I, I would question if you know what you're after. So 
that's just a guess. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you know exactly what you want. But I read into these. Um, and one of the things that I have found over the years is when I don't have a clear objective or goal or direction that I'm that I'm going after, it's really difficult to accomplish it. And I know that sounds extremely simple and easy to understand, but I don't. I can't tell you how many times I haven't exactly known what I was going for. And if you don't know exactly what you're going for, you won't get it. And so generally knowing which direction you're going isn't enough. Like, so yeah, I, I think you probably have an idea of what you want, but my question is, what do you want specifically? And understand that you're not going to accomplish it all in one fell swoop. It's going to take lots and lots of small pieces that eventually get put together to get it. So that, that I don't, obviously it's not an interactive conversation, so I don't know what your answer to that is. Now I take it back. Now I take a step back from it and I go, I'm reading this like you're sulking a little bit. He doesn't, you know, it, it, the line here that says, what can I do to build and project leadership energy so that he's excited to see what we're doing next, gives me attention and focus outside. I don't ha appear to have much natural ability, so I'm going to have to learn to fake it. Well, I got news for you. You'll never fake out your dog. They read you better than you'll ever read them. So you're not going to, the answer is not going to be able, is not going to be that you can fake it to be a leader. Um, it, put yourself in the dog's shoes. And if someone were trying to teach or instruct or learn or lead you that was simply faking it because they didn't know what they were doing, how believable would that be? And how apt would you be to follow or, or take the, take their lead? Like you're not going to. And so I, I don't think the answer is fake it. I think the answer is figure out your shit. Figure out what it is you need to accomplish and then accomplish it like you mean it. And like, even if it's wrong, do it with conviction. Do it like you know it. Because it hopefully won't be that far off. And if it's not exactly right, you might be able to get through it if you're willing to accept the idea that it, the responsibility lies in you on you. Like you're going to have to read the situation. You're the one who will have to make the changes. If you're not doing something right, the dog essentially mirrors that. So they're not doing it perfectly. Well, then you don't can't expect the dog to start doing it right. You're going to have to figure it out. How do you project leadership? You become a leader. How do you have leadership energy? You become a leader. And so the very end, you said, should I just get the puppy DVD and start over? I don't know that that's necessary. I think what you need to do is you need to understand what's in that puppy video. You need to understand what's in the foundation video, maybe more than, than the, the puppy, because the puppy is pretty basic stuff, and I'm assuming you're past a lot of that. The foundation stuff, the way you wrote it, walking in a line, walking in a square, I think you've seen our videos. You've seen some of the stuff that we do. They don't seem to build his attention and get his focus on me. I don't get eye contact. His tail is up, isn't up it, and, and, until I start running. So... It sounds like you're trying some of this stuff, but it sounds like you recognize, so you're reading that the dog is flat. Well, then change it. So I can do obedience with a dog that is really ultimately, for, by some people's definition, extremely boring. And if you if you have a dog that is bored with it, figure out a way. To, I there was a person at our workshop this last um, this last spring that was going through real struggles with it, getting his dog to like show any type of energy uh, the dog was just extremely flat and i know this wasn't the first time they were they were doing 
they were doing line drills, just like you're talking about. They were, when I say line drills, they were walking in a straight line and turning 180 degrees. And so it was so like repetitious and mundane and so boring to watch. The dog was completely checked out and his head was on a swivel and it was looking at all sorts of stuff and just not in tune with the owner. That's how I feel like you're describing your situation. So he showed me that and they said, see, doesn't dog doesn't care about this. And I said, well, speed up a little bit and then slow down and then go fast and then go slow. And then, and he varied his pace and he got a little bit of energy in himself, life inside of him. The handler had a little life in his, in his step and the dog fed off of it instantly and started looking at him because he was varying speeds and he was catching the dog off guard and the dog wanted to kind of play with him. It wanted, he acted like this and the drill that they were doing was the exact same drill that they were doing prior flat as can be. They were walking in a line and then turning 180 degrees and walking the other direction and turning 180. But instead of going walk one direction and turn and walk one direction and turn and walk one direction and turn, which completely lost, never even had the dog in the first place paying attention. All of a sudden they've mixed it up. They varied pace. They showed some energy themselves and the dogs just, the dog just dialed right in. So I can't tell without watching a video, but I can tell by reading your thing here that you say walking in a line and walking in squares don't seem to build his attention and keep his focus on me. It's because you're boring as hell probably. And you're probably bored with it as well. And so if you're bored with it and don't really want to do it, expect that you transfer everything that you got, that you are projecting there, as you say it, right down the lead into your dog. And what is more attention gathering than a boring person on the other end of the lead? Well, distracting things such as rabbits, deer, the scent, all the things that you've described. So I think you got to look at it and go, maybe I don't have to change so much the general direction we're going, but I better change the details and how we're getting there. And so try mixing things up a little bit. I, I think that this, this idea of fake it, fake the leadership is an absolute, it's a route or a path to failure. And you're feeling that already. So I'm not going to say start over with a two-year-old dog at puppy. What I am going to say is I think I recommend a bit of an attitude change, not necessarily in the dog, but in the handler. So I'm hoping, Brent, I'm hoping this that you hear this. I'm going to send you a message and I'm going to uh, tell you that we recorded a short podcast on it. But I'm going to have you, and if you want, send me an email. Send me an email with the video. Show me. Show me what I'm what I'm working with here. But if you start approaching your training a little bit differently, I bet you you'll get results fed back to you a little bit different as well. But I think what you're going to have to do is first off, take a step back and go, what do I want to do with this dog? And then work on it specifically. So to me, you've described a lot of stuff. Like the question I could have is, all your one of your lines is all we've been doing is foundation stuff, no hold, retrieve work, tracking, or putting out pigeons for them. How come? Maybe you should do some of that stuff. Maybe you should make it so that. But what you should do is, if you're going to do that stuff, it's not just for fun. It's with purpose. So, like if you're if you have, uh, let's say your schedule is. Uh, you'd like to hunt with the dog this fall. It sounds like if you're putting out pigeons for them, I'm assuming you're you wanting to do some bird stuff. So. If you're using the dog this fall for bird stuff, what are you trying to work on right now? Is I don't believe finding birds. I don't think pigeons, this is me personally, I don't think use of pigeons is a good test for finding birds 
I think wild birds are the way to get dogs to become wild bird finders. So, but I, I'm using pigeons right now in my training with Makina, our setter. And the reason I'm using them, she's seen more pigeons in the last four to six weeks than she's seen in her entire life. Um, many times over. And the reason is, is because we're working on something very technical. She loves them. I think she really likes them. I think it keeps her excited and, and she's maybe loving them a little bit less than she used to, but not by much. But so I think I got to be conscious of that and be careful of that. But we're using it for very technical training. I have an objective. I am trying to take her chase away, trying to steady her up. So when the bird flushes out of the launcher or out of my bag or wherever it comes from, I don't want her moving. I don't want her running in or chasing. So we started out with wooing her without birds and we added some birds and we've progressionally taken steps. And today I ran her this morning on a planted bird and then I had a bird in my bag that I kind of doubled up on. And today she couldn't, the wind was wrong and she wasn't having a really hard time. She wasn't touching scent to it and I was pretty close to the bird. So finally I decided on the fly, it wasn't part of my plan, but on the fly I decided I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop her to the flush. It was the first time she's ever done that before. So she stopped on her own with the scent of the bird. This time it's on my list of things to do. This is where I'm talking about what do you want to accomplish on my list of things to do with her is introduce a stop to the flush where she doesn't smell the bird, doesn't know it's coming, no awareness or, or prior warning. And all of a sudden the bird pops and she's going to have to stop. And so today I accomplished that because she just wasn't touching scent on the bird. And I could, the way I positioned it was wrong. I had it kind of up against a tree line and the wind kind of switched and was swirling. So I would have had to be into the woods to get her to tent. So finally I just said, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to check off that list or at least start that thing that's on my list, which is stop to the flush. So I brought her back through. I was check cording her. I brought her back through. I popped the bird. She stopped, held beautifully. I shot the gun. She held. She moved a little bit, I think, at that point. I adjusted her, put her back on wool. I walked in front of her a little bit. I dropped the bird out of my bag and shot again. She stood that one and I was done. So what am I, that was one thing I'm specifically working on with that dog. I got a plan and I'm working that plan. But I also have noticed too that like lately, this is just me relating to you some of my personal stuff that I think you have to take a deep dive and an assessment of your own dog and your own self and your own goals and your own like path to get to those goals. And if you don't have one, that's now's the great time to set that up. But I noticed recently that my dog's feet have gotten not quite as, anchored to the ground. Now I've slowly added steps to this process of steadying her. And now I'm, the nose is involved on almost every bird, meaning she's smelling the bird. It used to be a really big challenge to get past was when she would smell the bird. So I'd do it when she couldn't smell the bird. So then we progressed to when she smelled the bird. And every time we move forward and she gets better, we make things a little more challenging. And that usually kind of takes us steps back in the the results. So they're not as clean. Every time I add something more complicated, the result is not as clean as it was before after we've done it a few times and she learns and learns from the the situation and improves on it. So I'm it's this idea of like we take a couple steps forward until it gets really good. And then when it gets so good, I go, okay, let's try to add another thing that's realistic that's going to create an issue. And I expect the performance to take a step back but our challenge, level of challenge, has gone a little bit further. So we do that back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I have noticed that her, the challenge, and I had to recognize this myself, was the challenges that we're giving her were a lot more difficult now than they were two weeks ago, let's say. 
And I sit here, look at it, and I go, the end result isn't as good as it was two weeks ago. It's because what I was setting her up for was a lot easier back then. It's more challenging now. And the more challenging it gets, the harder it is to be perfect. So you work on that over and over and over until it gets perfect. And then take another step and add more challenge to it. Well, that's where I have to tell myself that. Yeah, she's not perfect and not as good of an end result as it once was. But the situation is a lot harder than I'm dealing her. So... I look at it now and I go, oh, I feel pretty good about it. We just got to keep going. We just got to keep adding to the list, adding to the list, adding to the list of challenges and expecting and demanding results. So what am I going to do to steady her feet up? I actually have come to this idea. I think her heel work, I haven't worked on formal heel work with her for a long time. Now you're talking about going back to some foundation stuff. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to heel work with her, better heel work, like more demand. I've gotten a little loose with her heel work. And the reason I've gotten a little loose with their heel work is because my focus has been on getting her out in front of me and working these birds and really it's take away the chase. And that's, so I, I sacrifice one thing to get another. And then I realize, okay, I'm getting what I'm trying to get, but I got to go back now and clean up what I sacrificed because in the end, I can't just give and give. I need to give and take, give and take, give and take. So we'll give a little bit on the, on the footwork to take a little bit on the idea of taking away her chase. That's been my process. But now I'm realizing we took, we're taking away the chase pretty good, but her footwork is what's the issue. So I can't fix her footwork at a distance if I don't have really good footwork at point blank. So I'm actually going to go back now and I'm going to start doing heel work. Well, guess what drills I'm going to do? Your boring line drills and your boring square drills and your boring things that you, that you beat the, the tar out of and you get the dogs to be flat with it. Now I'm going to go back to it and I bet you I can probably get a little bit of life in her too with it and sharpen up on her feet. And then I'm going to see if those feet at close proximity and heel work transfer out to the field at a little bit of distance when I get into these drills of steadying up the dog. So I'm just walking you through like my assessment of how do I improve with my dog? And I'm talking, talked about some very specific things and just a few. You listed a whole bunch of stuff with a two-year-old dog, which is, you know, we're in the same ballpark. My dog's 17 months old, so a little bit younger than yours. So what I would say to you is, in answer to the end, should I just go back and start on a puppy DVD? No, go back and watch the puppy DVD and make notes and try to understand what the point of that video is. Then go and watch the foundation and make notes and get the idea of what the point of that is. And then go and watch a series of videos that we've done. The tons of them. Watch the Makina series. If you're interested in having a little bird dog, watch the Makina series. If you're interested in a little gun dog, watch Bella Be Good. If you're interested in, if you go to our library right now, so you had mentioned the puppy video. I don't know if, if you bought the actual DVD or if you bought the digital version of it. But if you have that, you can use it. If you haven't, I would recommend our library because our library has all of it and it's all included for a monthly subscription instead of having to actually just buy them for the for the price of one video you can get all the videos basically um plus another hundred hours of training videos so that would be my recommendation brent but i think what you you got here is a, a question that is really broad a little whiny and i and maybe i'm reading you wrong but that's how and maybe i'm not I don't tell you this to piss you off. I hopefully tell you it to motivate you a bit. 
to fire you up a little bit. And I'm not mad at you. Hey, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. So I'm, t- I'm going to tell you, I'm just not going to sugarcoat stuff. So you're, the beauty of this is you admit it in the beginning. I'm a novice dog trainer. This is a two-year-old dog, and it's the first one I've ever trained. You should not know all this stuff. Why would you? How would you? But trust me, over a long time in a lot of dogs, I've gone through all the frustrations that you are and then some. I still go through a lot of this. But the difference is instead of me reaching out and going, what do I do now? I look back on what I've done in the past and I go, I remember when I did that. I remember when I did this. I remember I I expect to have things go good for a while and then I expect them to really be shitty for a while. And then I realize, well, there I gave and I gave and I gave to take, take, take. But now I have to go back to where I gave and start to reinforce it in, in short back up because it's about balance in everything I do in training. I can't make it perfect and then move on to the next thing and expect everything to always be perfect going forward because oftentimes when I'm taking on something new, like I'm taking a new step or a new chunk out of this big picture process, I'll have to sacrifice a little bit. And so I hope this helps you, buddy. I'm going to send you an email. We'll go from there. Best of luck, you guys. If you do me a favor, uh, like and subscribe and leave us a review.